Chris Peterson. Join with me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? I'm doing awesome. You know what? Maybe a year ago, people might have made fun of us for being nerds and having a hobby where we sit in our basements, but not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We're the cool kids now. Yeah! (laughs) Love it. And joining us again this week for the second straight week, Mr. Josh Tonra. How are you, sir? I'm good, Chris. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Feeling good still, which is good, right? I mean, excellent. Unless yes. I'm apathic, is that or sympathetic? I don't know. I don't know what the correct term is for like how you carry the symptoms but not feel them. I don't know. You be an asymptomatic carrier. Ah, okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, um, good times. Good times. So we have. Well, I'm, glad, been, I'm glad I could answer that question for the internet. I mean, this is this is why we bring you on. This is why this is why you're here, um, guys. This has become like the perfect podcast for all of us all of a sudden because all we can really do now is consume entertainment for for life. Basically, entertainment is giving us life, and. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing time to be living. Ben, let me start with you real quick. How are you spending your days right now? Uh, all right. We got a, a lot of uh, – I'm organizing the basement. I'm doing a lot of nerdy stuff. Uh, check this out. All right. This is like hyper-quarantine. This is what I'm – I'm bred for this, okay? Uh, I'm going through old CDs and burning them to MP3s. Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's time-consuming and – yeah. Just nonsense. I think I'm going to start scanning old photos with uh, Google Scan, I believe is the app. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there you go. Awesome. Josh, how about you, my man? Well, the uh, the court system is basically shut down in New York. Um, and so there's, but there's a few things that we still have to do in the office. We are still considered essential workers. So I'm I'm working full time, which ends up amounting to about two hours a day. And then I'm playing video games, uh, going doing schoolwork with my uh, with my kids. Tonight we were out playing soccer, uh, going for lots of walks, and I'm catching up on shows that I missed, digging out old video games that I haven't played in like a decade, and uh, giving those a whirl. Nice, here, here, nice. here, here. Yeah, I've been basically doing the same thing, catching up on on TV shows that I've you know either haven't have never seen or it's been a while since I kind of restreamed them. Uh, and then thankfully I'm a member of the WWE network, which has every Monday night raw and SmackDown going back to like their premiere episodes in the early nineties. And so I've been watching like every raw and SmackDown in order since like 1996. So it's a, it's a good journey, which I, <laughs> I should say. Outstanding. Hey, did you watch WrestleMania 30 when it was rebroadcast on ESPN the other night? I did. Ooh. I did. I mean, I can watch that many times as a network, but like it, it was kind of cool to see it on ESPN, which was awesome. So. Uh, so as a as a kid, and I'm gonna date myself here a little bit. Like I can remember coming home from school and watching like Texas League wrestling with the Von Ericks, yeah. like at three thirty in the afternoon. And like it, it, this is what ESPN programming really used to be like. It wasn't just the Ocho, right? It's, it's or, awesome. or three p.m. You would come home and watch the Aussie Rules football. My fave. Absolutely. 
I love it. Well, folks, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I mean, just welcome, welcome, welcome. And what we like to do on this podcast is bring some interesting stories in the world of entertainment, uh, movies, film, music, food, books, whatever it may be to pass the time by. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, basically what we're doing, all of us are doing right now, except we have no idea what each other are bringing to the table. So whatever Ben has, whatever Josh has, whatever I have, we don't know what each other has. So this way, all the conversations are spontaneous uh, and whatnot. So um, let's just kick it right off this week. Ben, what do you have for us to lead off? All right. Yeah. And I would just like to plug, you know, plug, uh, give a big out shout, shout out to uh, uh, myself and just say that if you haven't listened to this podcast before, go back. We recommend so much. Every single week, we recommend stuff for you to consume entertainment wise that you can do from your couch at home. Yes. Uh, so that being said, uh, first of all, I want to I want to kick off something that I can't believe we haven't talked about on the pod is the show McMillions on HBO. Mm. Uh, finish this up this week. Great little documentary. Um, I think produced by Mark Wahlberg, HBO, uh, documentaries, uh, fantastic story, tons of twists and turns, uh, great, uh, great cast. If you could call it that <laughs> it's filled with real people, but there's somebody like, I think the federal agent, his name is Doug yes. and he is unbelievable TV. He should have his own show. He should I, have I, a talk show. Yeah. Oh my God. He is so <laughs> outrageous as he's prosecuting people for going to jail for like 20 years. He's cracking himself up. My kind of guy. Um, Chris, Josh, did you watch McMillions? What are your thoughts? I thought it was great TV. So Josh, I want to save your opinion for last because you're a man of the law right. and um, can probably give some good insight on this. But yeah, no, this was, this was a fantastic documentary. When I, when I heard about it, I thought to myself, there's no way that they can make a seven episode series compelling and yet it was incredible um and they really get into the weeds of you know fraud and wire fraud and all these different types of white collar crime um but it's it's fantastic because this is something that we all knew i mean i i played that mcdonald's monopoly game religiously when it came out i mean i remember what was the one it was like either boardwalk or park place like you can't everybody got that one of the two and then like the other one was like you couldn't I think it was Park Place and park then you place. had to get yeah and then you had to get the boardwalk no one got yeah. the boardwalk so Park Place was like Oh man but no but yeah, I was, just I just love I love documentaries that you know or series or something like that we are in a land of such great content where you can stream tons of hours of episodes where, you know, before you might have a documentary that was maybe an hour and a half, two hours, but now you can have these seven hour, eight hour, 10 hour, uh, OJ made in America, kind of these long docudramas, long documentaries that just tell a story over these hours. And I thought this was prime use of that format. Uh, so many, the human drama in this was just so great and uh, they just kept ramping up. Every episode just involved us with new drama. Yeah, oh, Chris, great. I totally agree. Yeah, it was great. Josh, what did you what did you think of McVillers? Did you get a chance to see that? Yeah, I didn't see it. It's on. Uh, it's it's totally on the list for us to see. So if you wanted to just give me like the ten second snapshot of it, tell me what it's about so that I you can intrigue me by it. All right, Ben, go ahead. Yeah. All right, pitch. All right, here's a ten second pitch. The McDonald's. Monopoly game is not all it's cracked up to be. And there was mystery and intrigue surrounding the winners. And there is such things as mafia involvement, 
fraud and money laundering abound. And the FBI and multiple federal organizations get involved with figuring out what is going to happen. All set in the backdrop of the months leading up to 9-11. Brad, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So it, it, it was definitely, you know, when I had initially heard about the series and people were watching it, what I kept hearing was, this is good. I don't know how they're going to make this into a six or seven hour documentary, but you guys are saying, you know, that they, they've managed a way to, to do it. Um, I'm in for it. Um, I was actually just looking, HBO has one kind of in the same mold coming out next week um, called the scheme. I don't know if you guys have. Oh have, yeah. Yep. No. What's that? Oh, it's about the, uh, the, you know, basically uh, there was a whole bunch of college basketball coaches that, uh, either ended up on federal probation or in prison a few years ago um, for uh, money laundering and and steering money to recruits to get them to come to these major programs. I mean, it's shit that we always knew was going on in college basketball, right. um, but I don't think people knew the limits or, or the extent to uh, um, to people uh, to what people's involvement was uh, in this. Um, there was actually an ex Syracuse player named uh, Tony Bland. Uh, who was at Arizona State, who was involved in this. Um, there were coaches at San Diego State, Arizona, I believe Louisville. Um, it, was a, it was a very interesting scandal. Um, and, and actually, there was an article today on Deadspin about it because, you know, Patino got caught up in it, and he's a scumbag, and he's now coaching at Iona. He just mm-hmm. signed to, uh, to coach Iona if we ever have college basketball again. Right. That's yeah, no, interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah, it it looks really good, and that it actually premieres on Tuesday. But, um, yeah, no, it, it was great. And McMillions, I mean, it, Josh, as someone who works in the in the industry, but um, it really get, does get into the, the weeds of how to prosecute white collar crimes. They they spend a good time with uh, U.S. attorneys and how they lay out cases and stuff like that. So, uh, it, it's it's really it's really <laughs> it's kind of like your porn, Josh. Yeah, that's, that's what that's my bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They have a anytime. Anytime I'm watching a series, whether it be drama or documentary, and there's a cork board and thumbtacks with strings, I think of you. <laughs> okay. See, I like to. Say, I think I'm Chuck Rhodes, but really, I'm just Charlie Day. Oh, <laughs> great, great reference. Great reference. Pepe Silvio. Pepe Silvio. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those series. Like, if you love that documentary, Enron, the, the smartest guys in the room, like you're gonna great. love. Great documentary. Yeah, you're gonna love this. So, uh, yeah, it's on HBO. Uh, and for those of you out there who haven't seen it, you know, definitely it's it's high up. And um, real quick, uh, Josh, I, I was gonna let you go next, but I want to jump ahead uh, to me because this actually is a good segue into my first topic. Ben um, is another kind of long form documentary I series. I knew it. I knew it. Ben, Josh, have you seen Tiger King yet on Netflix? <laughs> I have not. I can't, I'm. I'm. I've been waiting all day for your take on this. Oh, oh my God! Man, oh, just finished it for the podcast tonight. The entire thing. The whole entire thing. <laughs> it is not. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who nope, hasn't seen it. No. Nope, nope. But it is perfect it, to describe it as a a hole that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like each episode is crazier than the next. Um, really by episode three, your mouth drops. Like, yeah, you know, episode three, I saw your Facebook post and I got to episode three. I was like, Oh my God. 
Um, but it, it, you know, to, to, to the 10 second pitch, it has to do with, um, basically the zany personalities of the big cat wildlife, uh, trading and breeding industry, this, this really seedy industry that is happening basically in the deep South and Midwest of the United States. And, uh, it follows Joe exotic, who I actually was first introduced to, from the John Oliver show that they showed a yes. segment from, yes. uh, I was like, "Oh my God, it's that guy!" <laughs> um, and it kind of follows his his exploits. And uh, but my God, the the people that are kind of entangled in this web, it just gets crazier and crazier. And it's just it's it's an absolute joy uh, to watch. Ben, what was your reaction to watching this stuff? Uh, just like you said, Chris, uh, between this and McMillions, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. I mean. We have to come up with an award show, maybe on stage blog, maybe desperately seeking entertainment. I don't know, because I can't for my money. I can't believe that there's going to be anything better for the rest of the year in the documentary format than McMillions and Tiger King. Right. Like and that goes for movies that goes for series like this should be nominated for something. And <laughs> and these things are going to be just fall by the wayside. They're just going to fall by the wayside. And then, you know, movies like uh, Desperate, you know, Three Deliberate Strangers and all these like, you know, movies are going to fall by the wayside. And we're just going to get some BS thing in the Oscars or something like that. Oh, my God. This was edge of your seat it's it's half reality television it's half you don't know what the hell's going to go on in this and and never mind episode three what about like episode five i mean there's so many like jaw-dropping moments in this one where mcmillions is a little more procedural Mm -hmm. and a little more tongue-in-cheek like because like you said it's a little more white collar so you know that i i don't know there's a little more comedic kind of thing to it and the ending it's a little different but this one is drama 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 uh, uh, you know i made a comment to my buddies and i don't want to take and i've been very uh careful about taking this the coronavirus and the covid19 very serious as far as social media and stuff like that but thank god for content like this out there right now to keep us in our houses because this might save more lives than anything just because right. <laughs> My God, I, I couldn't I couldn't leave the house like I, I didn't want to. I didn't care. I didn't care. It was amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. Josh, definitely highly recommend that one um, when you get a chance. But yeah, well, I'm, looking, no, I'm looking forward to it. I saw on on Twitter today. Somebody somebody said it was the first uh, like documentary or, or show that Netflix put out that was bingeable, but was that couldn't be spoiled. Because to explain it would just take too long for anybody to, to do. Exactly. So it was impossible to spoil it. Yeah, and you wouldn't believe anything that I would tell you either. It's like, yeah, yeah this happens it's, and this happens. It's like, no way. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, and it, you know what, Chris? Chris, um, I got, I'm going to one-up you right now. Please. Um, I actually remember. So my old coworker, uh, Jimmy, he called me last night. He's like, dude, you got to get into Tiger King. And I saw your post yesterday too. And I was like, all right, now I got to watch it. And I started watching it. And I remember this freaking guy, Joe Exotic, when he was running for president in 2012, when I was at my old job. And I remember this is like, you know, when you had to actually like search something on the internet, this wasn't just on YouTube. This was on JoeExoticTV.com. I looked up his presidential campaign and I remember he was running against Obama 
and calling me a motherfucker and, and walking in a cage full of tigers and stuff. This was a real thing. And I, I was like, oh, my God, it's the guy. And I was texting my friend Jimmy all day. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It, it, I mean, it, and also, I mean, you know, this doesn't spoil anything about the, about these like personal zoos, but like, I, it's one of those places where I was like, I want to go there, but I really don't want to go there. Like, I wanna, like, I want to visit these places, but I really know I shouldn't be visiting these places. But man, um, it, it's something. So yeah, folks, if you haven't gotten on Tiger King, and if you have Netflix, listen, you've got nothing better to do all day. Do this because you'll you'll be glad you did. And and yeah. spread it out, spread it out if you can. Like you know, don't don't watch it in seven straight hours. I mean, if you can make it a multi day thing, do it because it's just very enjoyable. Yeah, it's very yeah. You know, I was trying to piecemeal it out as long as I could, but I couldn't stop. I this was the first show I binged in a really long time. Um, and I just want people to get out there. I don't want to be this person because I you know I still have a job out there. Uh, but if if people are at home, can we just start pumping out the memes so when I search them, when I text people, they're there because there's not a lot of Joe Exotic memes. So I'm just <laughs> putting out the shout out. <laughs> Make those off. happen. Make those yeah, happen. Thank you. Exactly. Jesus. Dude, the, the show's only been out for like four days. <laughs> oh, Give it time. Feels like four years. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, Josh, what do you got for your number one this week, my man? So I'm following up with uh, with my recommend one of my recommendations from next week or from last week um, because the second episode came out this week and it was even better than the first. If you guys haven't watched it, uh, the plot against America on HBO is uh, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. Um, it's another David Simon series. Um, it, it's you know, learning more now about uh, about it with the help of um, a podcast that HBO is doing with the release of this limited series. Now, it's something that they did last year with Chernobyl. Yep. They had a uh, they had a companion podcast with the creator of Chernobyl and Peter Sagal, who hosts um, Wait Wait Don't Tell Me on NPR. They have a series now, uh, a, a podcast series to go with each episode. The podcast comes out the day after the premiere of the episode. It's David Simon and Peter Sagal talking about it, talking about the themes of it, what went into making it. It's a fascinating uh, podcast. Um, the series uh, itself is is great. You know, the fact that it centers on uh, a Jewish family and the, the rise of anti-Semitism and fascism in the 40s and what could have happened in the United States if an asshole like Charles Lindbergh had been elected president, you know, um, it speaks to me and, and I don't know that it'll affect everybody the same way, but it, I think it's, it's just fantastic. And hearing David Simon's insights and, and how he went into adapting, uh, you know, Philip Roth is, you know, probably the greatest American novelist of all time. Um, into adapting his work without stepping all over it and stepping on it when he needed to. Um, the acting's fantastic. John Turturro is great. He plays this, uh, like Southern rabbi. Um, I don't know if it was a real character or not. Um, and John Turturro, even though he's Sicilian has like a great history of playing, uh, Jewish characters, uh, in, in movies. And he nails it with this one. Uh, Winona Ryder's in it. She's fantastic. Um, if you guys haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Um, if you are watching it, I'd like to know what you think so far. I, I haven't seen it yet, to be quite honest. Ah, damn. I know. It's on my to-do list, like right when we get off the air, actually. 
You guys are the worst. <laughs> well, we're all the worst because none of us watched our first uh, our first uh, <laughs> stories. But Josh, uh, um, so David Simon, I love, of course, because of the wire and Treme and mm. everything else he touches. Um, what are is there anything that I mean? You talked about his attention to detail. As far as when he adapts something like that, are there any flares like that that I would recognize like I do in The Wire? Um, well, it doesn't have the so- same sort of uh, interlaced um, characters and plots and things like that because there's a there's a it's a linear story in okay. a way that The Wire isn't. Okay. Um, what you have with with it is is you can actually tell and you get it from the podcast as well that this is something meaningful to him as like, as a Jew, like as somebody who grew up in a Jewish family um, in a Jewish neighborhood and what that meant and how it, how it formed his, his way of thinking. Um, There was an interesting part of, I think it was the first podcast where they talked about um, how he wanted to have a group of Jewish actors and, and not even just religious Jewish actors, but people who, who grew up culturally Jewish, even if they did not grow up religiously Jewish. And Winona Ryder was an example of that. Um, mm-hmm. But as an example of some of the touches, you know, just like when 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 he was making The Wire and he had actual addicts that he knew from his days as a reporter as actors on the show or actual dealers as actors on the show, if you look around the house of the Levine family on the show, it's pictures of Simon's family that are hanging on the walls and it's pictures of Winona Ryder's family that are hanging on the wall so that, you know, it looks natural because it is natural. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he talked about going to meet with, with Philip Roth to discuss, you know, making this work into a, into a series. And the, the book itself is written as it's historical fiction um, or an alternative reality fiction with Philip Roth as the narrator telling the story as himself as a 10 year old boy um, who's a character on the show, but they had to change it because they, there's so many more stories that, that you'll get if your narrator isn't a 10 year old. And I know I'm repeating a lot of what was said on their podcast. Um, to hear them talk about it is really great. You're gonna get That's a lot. Awesome. You're gonna get a lot from it, um, and it's different from watching like a, an eight-minute making of documentary after the episode. It's so much better to hear him talk about it. And he's just—he's brilliant. He's a brilliant well, writer. He's a I brilliant just, showrunner. Yeah, I just love how that's the new um, trend: is podcast with the TV, so you can see how meticulous they were when making the tv show that i think that's brilliant yeah and it's something a little different than like say binge mode which is awesome which is an awesome show yeah, in its own yeah, right um but they're just you know they have their own rules that they go by to break down the episode and everything and it's really just kind of a a free-flowing conversation and you know guided sort of by by peter sagel who i you know if you listen to npr you listen to him every saturday as a game show host it's different to hear him talk about it. And he brings a, a cool perspective to it also. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, it's definitely high on my list. So uh, definitely looking on that. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Um, 
Ben, what's your number two this week? Well, Josh, we we sometimes have awesome podcasts. Well, I mean, we always have awesome podcasts on the show. Uh, but speaking of podcasts, it's time to segue. And, uh, you know, I knew uh, something was up with the whole uh, quarantine, yada, yada, yada. And so I finally uh, bit the bullet and bought Spotify Premium. I knew oh that I would ass. be traveling and stuff like that. And for 15 bucks a month, this would be a super plug. I bought Spotify, which Desperately Seeking Entertainment is now a part of. Uh, so I bought the family plan. So me and Katie and my dad, we can all listen at the same exact time. I think it's five different uh, devices playing at once. Uh, so the reason why I bring up podcasts is on Spotify. Spotify original podcast is um, this – uh, podcast called Stay Free, The Story of the Clash, hosted by Chuck D. It is one of the most amazing things you'll ever listen to, ever. <laughs> Can I just put that out there? Um, so, Chuck, you might ask yourself, why is Chuck D hosting a podcast about the Clash? And it's him just doing the full narration every single episode. And he talks about how when he was a DJ... Uh, out of uh, Long Island in Brooklyn, he was one of his his first kind of buddies that wanted him to start Public Enemy said he wanted them to be the clash of hip-hop music. And Ooh. he didn't get it at first, and then they discussed what the clash was all about, and that's what brought upon Public Enemy. And it was it's kind of great, and a lot of what he talks about the clash and their struggles and how they didn't want to quote like sell out when they were getting uh, record deals is the same way that public enemy, you know, they, they wanted their own sound. They wanted their own voice. And it's so weird how both bands that are from two separate parts of the world are on these same parallels. It is a fascinating podcast, almost worth the price of admission. I think Spotify, it's 30 days free uh, for the first month, so you can bang through this in <laughs> the first trial. Um, <laughs> I, I can't recommend this highly enough. Of course, Joe Strummer has passed along, but they have tons of audio interviews with his awesome kind of uh, British brogue. It is great. Uh, guys, are there any podcasts that you're listening to right now? Have you guys heard this one? Probably not, but is there anything that you're high on right now? Well, I mean, I, I'm I've been a Spotify Premium uh, member for a while, and I, I kind of you know consume all of their their podcasts. Um, you know, there's a, there's a really great podcast company called Wondery out there, um, and they do like dozens of podcasts, but they've got some great stuff. They're doing one called The Dating Game Killer, which is like a murder mystery true crime series about like an actual serial killer that was basically found out because he appeared on the dating game as a contestant. Um, and it's, it's yeah, fantastic if you love true crime investigation stuff. Um, and then another one, Ben, I'm going to recommend for you is Lore L O R E. Oh, Josh, uh, Josh already recommended that one to me. Good, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's one of my favorites. So awesome, that's why I brought that up. Josh, any pods that you're listening to right now? Oh, dude, you know, I'm listening to pods like all the time. Um, <laughs> nothing really, nothing new um a few that i would uh that i would plug in particular if you're looking for something new to listen to um uh dc sniper monster dc sniper um yep. Yep. which was if you listen to the I, I actually listened to the atlanta monster series first um 
when it first came out. Um, I did not enjoy the uh, Zodiac one, so I didn't actually finish it. But the DC Sniper one has been really fantastic. That's a good one. Um, the uh, the rewatchables, of course. Right now they're doing the flawed rewatchables, which I've been laughing my ass off through. Oh my um, god! I, I just watched uh, Vision Quest. I rewatched it for the first time since <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> um, the uh, the dollop. I don't know if either of you guys have listened yep. to the dollop before. Yep. That one's a great one. I would highly recommend the, the. There's a two. There's a two part Ronald Reagan podcast of the dollop with Pat Oswalt, who is like my favorite uh, comedian, Twitter celebrity, and podcaster. Um, with with the two guys who host the dollop, just talking for uh, four hours about Ronald Reagan. Um, it's so good. Um, <laughs> Josh, I'm going to recommend one for you, man, man. If you have okay. uh, American Scandal, if you haven't listened to that one yet. I have um, not. Yeah, so it's all about like basically um, major crimes that have happened in the United States from white collar to politician to all this stuff. Like they did one on the whole Valerie Plame affair. Um, I just finished their series on all the corruption that happened in Albany in like the early two thousands with like Elliot Spitzer and oh, yeah. all that stuff. So um again, right up your alley on that one. Oh for sure. Yeah, that awesome. Uh American what well, I'm sorry, American Scandal. American Scandal. I just, I just followed it. Okay. I followed everything you guys just said. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting here on my phone as you guys are talking. This is awesome. Um and, and- yeah, and, and and like Twitter world, Facebook world, if you just ask me, I'm I'm happy to recommend podcasts and books whenever you want. Awesome. Um, but you know, to to bring it back to the Clash podcast, uh, you know, uh, your friend uh, and our friend Josh Nick Nick Timbro out in yep. uh, California, yeah, he commented on my Facebook post, and we both agreed the Clash, in my opinion, is one of the best bands ever. You know what I mean? They have this historic five-year run and that's it but you know they have about six or seven albums boom that's it and just joe strummer's voice and his lyrics it's it's hard to beat you know what i mean and especially in this day and age where not a lot of music is being produced at all um hopefully more music is being produced as we speak because everyone's trapped inside um <laughs> I, I there's not enough content about this band there there isn't if you go on youtube and look up joe strummer interview there's probably a couple clips that are like five minutes each or there's a couple like and if you even look up like full clash concert, there's a 20 minute clip, maybe a 14 minute clip. That's it. That's all there is, because this class, this band was in constant disarray, constant arguing, constant fighting. Uh, they only had five years on this earth and they produced some of the greatest music known to man, in my opinion. Um, and there isn't enough content. But this podcast, as told by Chuck D., will break down why this band still matters. And if my God, if they were still around to this day, uh, they would have some thoughts on uh, the political scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. Um, all right. Well, uh, Ben, actually what's funny again, you and I are kind of on the same wavelength about what we picked this week. Cause I also had a podcast. Up. To talk about. Yeah. So I knew you were going to talk about podcasts, which is why I want to talk about podcasts. Um, but I, I, I stumbled upon one just by doing just a search for like music stories. And I came across a podcast called Bizarre Albums. Have you either of you listened to this? I have not. No. 
So this is a this is a show where each week this guy and I, I, I his his last name is Taxton, um, but his first name is something weird. Um, he he basically does a deep dive onto really strange music albums that he finds. So like. One week he did Johnny Cash's children's album. Like I didn't know that Johnny Cash did an album for, for children, but he did. <laughs> so, you know, the guy who's talking about, you know, Folsom Prism is doing like Mary Had a Little Lamb. So there you go. Oh wow. I'm looking at this. I'm oh my God. I have I have one of these albums on vinyl. I have John Wayne America Why I Love Her. I own that. <laughs> uh he's got you know Fred, Freddy Krueger's greatest hits. Um uh, Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal's Shaq Diesel album. Um, there's a, there, I think there's like a, 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 a Miss Piggy um, like exercise disco album, something yeah. like something like that. Wow. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So if you love music and weird albums and things like that, Ben, I know you've got a whole collection of these, like you just admitted to. Um, <laughs> this this is just right up your alley. I do want I want that Nimoy uh, Bilbo Baggins album. I want that big time. Dude, that's so good. <laughs> but it's just if this is a podcast is just as further proof of how just the most interesting hobby uh, collectors items. I mean, you could turn a, a really interesting podcast from from pretty much anything. So, um, yeah, just a really quick plug for that. What's uh, just, uh, what's well, are you going to ask the follow up question? Like, what's the weirdest album that you've ever heard? Ben, what what is the weirdest album you ever you, you've ever heard or, or own for that matter? Oh, that I own. Um, well, you know, there's like avant garde stuff, right? That are it's supposed to be weird. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of like a sound test. I have Mr. Bungle Disco Violente that I play in the basement just because it's all over the place. Like, I mean, there's louds and highs and all this stuff. Um, but one of the weirdest albums that I've never talked about on the podcast is uh, Billy Gardner's Country Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> just the title alone. Uh, yeah. And uh, so here's the story behind this album. Uh, I was in guitar class uh, when I was a freshman in high school. And there was this guy named Ryan, and he, uh, his family lived in Maine, and he was, he randomly gave directions to this random dude at a gas station, who happened to be a music producer who just gave him all these free CDs and one of the or tape, tape cassettes, and one of the cassettes was Billy Gardner Country Seasons, and it's kind of like this Casio, hokey kind of country singing music, but there's a standout song, standout track. It's called Lobster Boats and Chili Waters. Yes. It's epic. And I used it for my uh, stand or my, uh, oh my God, my improv theater, Live Nude Swearing in yep. high school, as Chris remembers. Uh, Josh, have I ever played that for you? No, I don't think so. Oh what, my what God. What album is that on again? Because I got to write that down because oh, I've been looking oh, for that Oh, don't song. worry about it because you can't Google it because you can't find it. I need to <laughs> because it's not on the internet. I need I, I've made it into an MP3. I just need to make it a YouTube video because this is an unfindable song. I, maybe I'll do that tonight so people are looking for it after this podcast. Um, this song is so bizarre and so weird and catchy. Catchy is all hell. I learned how to play it on guitar. It we, is. Learned, we we used it in our improv troupe. Uh, yeah. That's the weirdest album I have. <laughs> Josh, how about you? Any weird albums yeah. for you? Yeah. Uh, don't don't have it anymore, but uh, Simpsons Sing the Blues uh, from 1991. 
Yes. I used to own that. I own the shit out of that. Yeah, I, I played the shit out of that. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, born under a bad sign. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yep. And then um, it's, it's number 37 on the list of, on, on his list. So it's like a third uh, album that he did. And then <laughs> does Bart do like a Chuck Berry song or something like that? Yeah, but he also does one with uh, he, he did a rap with uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Also don't have, on it. Don't have a cow man or something no, like no, that. It was, uh, it was uh, like big, big trouble. Oh, big, big, big trouble. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're damned if you do. What are you talking about? Well, you're damned. This is just, it's coming from my brain. <laughs> oh my God. I, I remember my, uh, I remember my catcher when I was on South end auto parts. He knew all the words to that. Mike Sattler. If you're out there, Mike here, here. <laughs> I remember that album because I think, there's a legitimately good song in there where I think Lisa Simpson sings God help the child or, or something like that. Or God, something, God something, bless the child. God, God bless the child. Thank you. And it's actually a really good cover of it. It's actually like, wow, that's legitimately good. So yeah, I'm um, sure Billy holiday loved that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still alive. No, she wasn't. Dead. She was no, dead. Uh, she was long. She's long dead. Gerald uh, oh, might've been alive. <laughs> You know, for me, I actually was able to find, and I actually found this in college at this record store. I think it was in Watkins Glen or, or Corning or just really weird kind of back country record store. But uh, it was a, it was a record that was played. It must have been played in department stores in like the 1970s and 80s because it was Muzak. It wasn't music. It was the instrumental versions of pop songs in the 1970s and 80s that you would hear in department stores. And it was amazing. It was like Carpenter's music. It was um, like Neil Diamond songs. I mean, it it sounded like full-on symphonies in the background doing that. It was amazing. And I I lost it. I lost the CD. um, And it's it's been haunting me ever since. But uh, that was probably my, my strangest music purchase. Well, Chris, Chris, if you if you get a hold of this guy, this Thax guy or whatever Thrax guy, why don't you have him on the podcast? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. I'll, I'll reach out. I'll reach out and, and have him bring his 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 knowledge, his his expertise, because that'd be awesome. So um, good stuff. Good stuff. Josh, what's your number two this week? Oh, I'm just trying to find it. Bear with me for a second. <laughs> so many ideas and so few ideas. <laughs> oh, all right. So um because I'm I'm just not following uh, the theme uh, with you guys. I you guys are on the same wave, wavelength that I'm all over the place tonight. Um, there was a, a story that I came across in the uh, the Syracuse Post Standard, um, and it was linked to because I don't buy a subscription for it or anything like that. But um, uh, going on with the the coronavirus and everything, um, there was an article about. Adrian Autry, who is a uh, assistant coach with Syracuse, who used to be the point guard at Syracuse, and yep. um, within the span of of twenty four hours, he had lost uh, two friends that he had played college basketball against to coronavirus. One of them was a, a guard at St. John's, and then there was another one who I think played at Providence um, in the uh, uh, in the eighties. No, excuse me, in the nineties. And then, Chris, I had, had seen that you had posted articles uh, regarding somebody in the theater community that had uh, that had passed away as well. Was that correct? Mm, yeah, Terrence McNally. 
Um, wow. it, and that's why I was uh, thinking of it. And, and, you know, Prince Charles today, um, Idris Elba, uh, you know, testing positive. We had talked, did we talk about Tom Hanks last week? Ben, I, I, I can't remember if we did. I don't, I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. But that Tom Hanks and, uh, and, and Rita Wilson had also, uh, uh, come down with it. Um, you know, I, I personally haven't, you know, been touched by, uh, anybody getting th- sick, thank God. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know that those, uh, I know that those stories are, are, uh, coming and, and Chris, I actually wanted, cause I, I, I got to read your article a little bit, but I, I wondered if you could, you know, tell everybody about the subject of your article and everything and what happened with them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, sadly, uh, yeah, coronavirus has finally kind of hit the, the Broadway community. Uh, Terrence McNally, who, uh, was 81, who is probably regarded as, I would say, one of the five most important playwrights of the 20th century, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately passed away with complications. I mean, he had not been doing well for, for really the past year. I mean, he had had um, breathing issues. I mean, he did a he won a, a Lifetime Achievement Tony last year, and he had a respirator on stage. So it was clear that he was definitely a high risk uh, for this, but um, sad nonetheless. And um, really, I mean... It, it was incredible writing that article because I tried to think, okay, what's okay. This important work that he did or that important work. And it was like, Oh my God, he's got like 20 of them uh, in terms of how uh, really, really just barrier breaking this guy was when it came to uh, theater. So just a tremendous loss, uh, but not just for theater. He also wrote, you know, screenplays, he wrote operas, uh, he wrote uh, the books for musicals, so like Kiss of the Spider Woman and Ragtime. Right. Time. I mean, just just amazing stuff. And Ben, I, I know you know Terrence right. McNally's work pretty definitely. well, too. Definitely. Yeah, that, that name is, yeah, I've definitely read that name. Oh, my God. Like, when I was in theater school, like, you you can't get away from, without reading anything mm. without that name popping up. Very yeah, important. So really, really sad. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't want to I don't want to make it any sadder. Um, I just want to, you know, is there, who can't we lose in all of this? I guess that's how I wanted to lighten this up and just say, is there anybody out there who, if you're a praying person, uh, you pray is the one who's not going to get this family aside who in the celebrity world, uh, you know, are you hoping just skates by all of this? Hmm. Betty White. <laughs> Love that girl. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's 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 a good question. I don't know, Josh. Uh, you know, like, you know, it. While you were while you were talking, uh, Josh and Chris, you know, I've had to actually scold a couple people that I know from not posting funny things on my Facebook because I don't think this is really funny. Because I I think it's coming around to our lives and the people that we care about. You know what I mean? We have young people, old people, and sick people in our lives. And so this is like one thing, you know me, I'm always joking about everything. But this is like one of the things I don't joke about. And uh, I've had to kind of, I don't know if I will lose a couple of friends because of it. But I I just don't think it's funny when people are posting like fun, funny things on like social media about it. You know what I mean? Like that's where I go with this because I think every time someone posts something funny, people don't take it serious and then they say, ah, screw it. Let's go outside and 
I don't know, <laughs> do something crazy oh. like lick doorknobs or whatever. For, I don't know. <laughs> well, that was actually. <laughs> I'm really glad. I, I'm really glad I didn't ask the original version of that question, which was who are, who do you hope gets coronavirus? Oh well. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's probably not good. Um, <laughs> you know, but Ben, you bring up a good point. That was actually going to be my my number three this week was basically telling people to stop being stupid when it comes to this thing. I mean, you see, you hear stories every day about people licking toilet seats or you know, right. defying quarantine orders and, you know, going to the beach and, and things like that. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's like, no, no, the, the science is real folks. I mean, it, it's out there. So, you know, this, this whole coronavirus challenge that's happening on TikTok right now, stop, just stop it. And uh, now we're hearing news stories that people that have actually done that challenge now have coronavirus. So, uh, it's 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 an awful thing. This is not the common flu. Uh, it's not going to be cured by just taking some Advil and, and resting for a couple hours. I mean, this is an actual thing. So, yeah, people just have to stop being dumb. I, I, I drive. I've seen pictures of New York City, which is mostly empty, but I still see people gathering in mass groups. They, they just on the news. There's a huge wedding that happened over the weekend on Staten Island that got shut down by the cops because, I mean, it, it's like a hundred people gathered in a very small space for a wedding. It's like people just got to smarten up. Hey, Chris, I got to interject for a second. Did, did those people, did those people win the, the coronavirus challenge or did they lose it? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, if it's a, an elimination game, I guess they lost. <laughs> I. It's like the hunger games. <laughs> but it's like, did you, I don't know if you, did you see this, this, this viral, clip of these spring break kids before florida got shut oh, down yeah. oh god oh yeah and that, and that one kid who's like yeah you know whatever happens happens well he released a statement yesterday basically apologizing for that and by the way it was the most eloquent um apology which he clearly did not write it was clearly written <laughs> by a, a pr firm um because it, was, it was like no this is way beyond his intelligence level that he he displayed but um you know, he had to come out and apologize for that because he's well, stupid. It's, just, it's it's crazy because yeah, God, God, sorry. Well, real quick, I was just gonna say I just saw another news story in New Jersey where um, a guy at a supermarket got upset with a cashier and coughed in her face and said, "I got coronavirus, so you got it now." And he got arrested and charged with making terrorist threats. So it's like this is this is a thing that it shouldn't be, you know, really joked about. Uh, in, in, in a lot of ways right now. Well, and you know, it reminds me of like, I think it was, I, I it was one of the doctors that are in charge of this. It was mm -hmm. either the Fulci guy or, um, who was saying, you know, four out of five people are taking this serious and staying home and watching Netflix and cleaning everything. And then it's the one out of five people that are the dangerous people. And then you see these advisors to the government, these doctors that are not being taken serious by the the president, and then he will recommend a cure that gets someone killed. So it's, you know, I, I have no doubt that, you know, you, Chris, and you, Josh, and all of our families are taking this serious, and we're, you know, we're taking this extremely serious, and all our kids are home, but then there's the one out of five people that will listen to something. So I'm glad that, like, we're taking this serious as, like, as like an onstage blog and as a media source, you know, like Lynette was on a couple weeks ago as a nurse telling everyone, Hey, just 
be smart. You know what I mean? Wash your hands, you know, keep a distance, you know, and that was two weeks ago when people were still not taking this serious, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's, I, I think the other thing too, is I think in, in part of that, you know, I think certain websites that are, you know, known for doing one thing need to stay in their lane um, and not try to become medical professionals either. A lot of people have been asking me to, you know, put more medical updates, you know, on, on, the site because of how far our reach is. And I'm saying, actually, I, sh we shouldn't be doing we that. Because, you know, right. that's, that's not our, you know, I, I shouldn't be taking, deciding which, you know, websites we should share information from and things like that, because I'm not an expert in this. So let's, let's stick to our lane and let the expert websites speak for themselves. So, or, or send them to the experts or go, send to, to, right. go exactly. to cdc.gov. Right. And that's, that's what Lynette said. That's what Lynette said a couple weeks ago. You know what I mean? She just said, go to cdc.gov. Don't listen to me. I'm just a nurse. You know what exactly. I mean? Which is the greatest advice ever. But that's why we're in this mess is because people politicized this matter and then, you know, made it a thing as opposed to a factual, <laughs> scary thing that's out there. So mm, Definitely. Definitely. Well, with that said, Ben, what's your number three this week? My number three. All right. Let's line up. Sorry. <laughs> we got a little <laughs> crazy in there. Um, so, uh, da, 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 da. All right, let's talk about – we were talking a little bit about video games at the top of the hour. Mm. I want to talk about a news story. This is from uh, comicbook.com. Uh, Ice-T, the rapper, former rapper, uh, former body count member, reveals what, what he hates about Doom Eternal. So Doom, Doom Eternal came out <laughs> and a uh, big video game release. I, I love the Doom franchise. I love everything about it. I love the, I think it was 2016 release on Xbox One. I, le I love everything about Doom. I love the whole story of Doom. There's a great documentary on ID software and the yada, yada, yada. You can just go down the list and it, it's great. Anyway, um, he hates the jumping. He was like, too much jumping. This game, from all accounts that I've heard, is brutal. It's a brutal, hard game. Um, and we're staying indoors, and I think it's the kind of game that we we kind of need. You don't want an easy game that you'll beat in a couple days. You want a game that you can really work on. Uh, Chris, Josh, I would love to hear your thoughts about uh, Doom. When was the first time you played it? Uh, how much do you love the series? Go ahead. Josh, go ahead, my man. Uh, don't love it. Oh! Um, so I, I can't remember if... I, did ID Studios make uh, Castle Wolfenstein also? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, that was my first foray into like the first-person perspective games, and I kind of liked that one because you were killing Nazis, killing demons. Um, and then Doom came out, and I sort of missed it and came back into that world of video games when Quake came out. So Quake was what I played. Um, mm -hmm. And so... Uh, Doom was uh, was sort of uh, lost on me. I did actually not realize how big it was, um, the release of this game, until I saw it showing up in my news feed like every day last week with stories about all the GameStop staying open so that they could sell copies of Doom and right, sell right. copies of Animal Crossing, which came out the same day, which I can't imagine two more different games uh, coming out of <laughs> the at the same time now now like on that account doom is a is a hugely influential game um it's the you know 
whatever you know Wolfenstein was with uh, you know first person games. I mean, Doom is the one that takes it to another level, and it's every first person shooter, every first person perspective game that you have has in its DNA everything that ID did back in the '90s. Um, so, and I haven't played it yet, so I can't say how it looks, what it looks like. Um, if Ice-T says there's too much jumping, then I'm going to go with him and say that there's too much jumping. Um, other people complain that the font is unreadable, which, mm. who gives a shit? But, <laughs> I mean, if that's your criticism. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. That's that, that's my take on it. I, I'm going back and playing Assassin's Creed. Right, I was just going right to ask, now. where are the games you're going back to? Um, to- so I'm, I I actually found a copy of Assassin's Creed Black Flag uh, that I had not unwrapped because I got it just before I switched over to the Xbox One, and I had got a digital copy of it, but for some reason I don't have it anymore. So I threw it in. Xbox One is backwards compatible, um, so I was able to start playing it. Like there's not a big difference graphically from the 360 to the Xbox One. Um, and I had just finished up, um, Jedi Fallen Order, which was awesome. If you want to invest some time in a game, um, that's a great one to play. That one was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, Black Flag is what I'm playing right now. I'm going to play, uh, Syndicate after that one's over with. Excellent. Chris, what, what are you on? Uh, I went back to, uh, Batman Arkham, um, Arkham Knights or not. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um, and the problem, so what I did, what I initially did was did like the main storyline and kind of skipped all the side missions. So now I went back and I started it all over again and now I'm doing all the side missions. So like, in addition to the main storyline, so I'm trying to get to that, like a hundred percent completeness, um, on the game, so to speak, but that's been fun. But yeah, to go back to your original point, doom was a, a game that I kind of, I, I wasn't on the initial, kind of like buzz about the game i came into it after it had gained all this notoriety for you know people saying that it inspired school shootings and all this other you know violence and stuff like that i was like all right well i gotta check this thing out and of course playing it i'm like this doesn't inspire any of that but whatever <laughs> um it's just people making noise uh you know it's funny i i i don't know if it was like if there was a a, a a war between these two games but i always felt like people fell on either the doom side or the golden eye side and I fell on the GoldenEye side. That was just yeah, me too. You know, um, so I didn't play a lot of Doom, but I've 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 kept up with with some of the installments. But I'm I'm no I'm no you know aficionado in any way, shape, or form. Well, I am, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's back, baby. So yeah. it and it's back. And uh, buckle up. First person shooters are where it's at. Um, I, I can't tell you the amount of hours of my life lost to first-person shooters. Josh, uh, just just accounting for Modern Warfare 2, how many days would you say just of our lives? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, se- several months worth of <laughs> worth of days. Exactly. Yeah, and, and then Modern Warfare 3, forget about it. I mean, there's still... Yeah memes that come out on Facebook and I'm laughing because they're Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> references. It's epic. Uh, so, I don't know, guys. Like, first-person shooter, I think, is still a format that is in charge of the gaming industry. 
There might be puzzle games. There might be card games. There might be, um, you know, uh, what do you call it when, uh, you know, Pokemon Go kind of games. But I think first-person shooter is still where it's at. Love it. Good stuff, yeah. man. Good stuff. Josh, what's your number three this week? Um, well, I, I, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, there was a – over the summer – I think it was this past summer. Frequently on the podcast, you guys would talk about um, – decline in the theater industry not not mm. stage theater but movie theater industry more things going to streaming um and uh you know eventually how you know will theaters go out of business will theaters close as people find more more streaming options but you know last year was a huge year for movies um you know whether it was uh you know endgame or um the rise of Skywalker. I know we haven't had our conversation about that um, or, or, you know, frozen Two, or any number of other movies, a huge year for, for films um, and, and money to be made in the theaters. And now with everything shut down, um, a lot of the studios are going from either, you know, pushing back their release dates for these big movies, whether it's, uh, Quiet Place Two or Black Widow, um, or for the places that may, or for the movies that maybe had like a an abbreviated run in the uh, uh, in theaters uh, to putting them out digitally much sooner. Um, so right now, if you you know you can go on the TV, you can order um, uh, The Hunt, or you could order Onward, or um, uh, the Invisible Man, yep. uh, if you wanted to, um, and and actually we had a conversation at dinner tonight. We, you know, we all want to see Onward, um, but we could stream it now if we wanted to. But we know it's coming to Disney Plus in less than a month. Um, and whereas I, you know, kind of felt last summer that you know there. Money's still made in the theaters. There's lots of money. It's not just in the streaming. People will go continue to go to movies. Um, this is the first time where I felt, you know, genuine concern about, you know, whether that's going to continue to happen, uh, and whether this sounds the death knell for uh, smaller theaters, or even uh, does this sound the death knell for bigger theaters? And it's the small independent theaters that'll remain uh, open. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know. And, and, you know, I, I kind of knowing that movies are going to come to the streaming services that I already subscribe to. I'm not willing to put down $20 to watch it in my home when I can wait a month and get it for free. Well, not free. It's the service I've already paid right. for, uh, like with honor onward. So, um, you know, Chris, Ben, what do you guys think about, about that? How has, your perspective changed maybe from the summer or has it reinforced what you guys already thought? Ben, what do you think? I, I think, um, Josh, just like you were saying, I think maybe I sounded like a conspiracy theorist nut <laughs> this summer. And, uh, you know, as I, I've been accused of that many times, but, uh, I think now it's reinforced it and propelled my, uh, projection to be true. Like, I, I think last summer, I, you could quote me as going on record as saying, um, when Disney Plus gets in everyone's household, they're going to announce that they're going to release Toy Story 5 next summer. 
And then everyone's going to go, cool. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen's in the mo. Okay. All right. So why am I leaving my house? Okay. Well, I pay for this thing. Here we go. And no one's going to leave their house. And this was before Mandalorian came out. This was before anything. And I think this, this push for Frozen 2 to be released and then onward to be released, I think it has upped the game. And things like the, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is it called like the Hollywood Museum where the guy built a theater to be a museum for theaters out in Hollywood? There was some sort of story out there. Well, the the, the Academy's building, uh, building museum in Los Angeles, right? Um, but but I, I I don't think that is that the thing you're talking about, or was it something else? It might have been something else, but it, it might have been like like the, it, people were making fun of it, like oh this guy thinks that theaters are going away, but the guy was like I'm gonna build a theater so everyone can go there to remember what theaters were like, um, and. I, it might be out towards LA. It might be that, but I think we're getting closer to that reality. And Josh, you had a great take though, because um, I was just talking to a friend of mine where we were talking about how um, maybe theaters, they're doing weird things like, you know, uh, throwback eighties day where they're showing all the back to the future movies or the Goonies or something like that. Maybe those are the theaters that are going to survive during this. And maybe the big theaters are going down because if everyone can go see frozen two at their house, who gives a shit? But if I can go see RoboCop on the big screen, let's go. And maybe they'll capture the hearts of our, you know, our generation or something like that. Well, I'll tell you what's huge out here is there's a couple of of drive-ins that do like crazy business during the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, because they have like a restaurant and an arcade and everything else, like it's packed. It's packed there every night, and people are staying for the movies. People are staying for the double feature, um, and and. You know, I still want to go to the movies, and there's still a, there's still an audience who wants to go to the movies. Um, and you know, when when Frozen Two came out, Lucy and I went. You know, we went and saw that in the theaters. We went and saw Star Wars, the 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 whole family, and we'll still do that. I think it may be the death knell of the home video rental or purchase market. It, you know, I, if you can't even get out of your house to go to Redbox, are you gonna bother doing that? when you can just stream stuff at home and, and this seems to be a more convenient way to do it, to be clear. Um, so I, I, I think certainly the places that do, you know, that show Rocky horror in the middle of the night are still going to do that. I, I think night. so. I, I think, I think you're right. I think something like that where it's an event where it's closer to theater might still be relevant. Like, I mean, Rome capital right down the street for me, they do theater slash showing a movie. Like I went to a murder mystery double feature last or triple feature and they had an actual murder mystery inside of the, in between the movies, something like that might actually uh, make it. So make it make, make them like, you know, fiscally viable for like the next year. But I don't know, like Josh, I, I feel a pull too, of course, to go see a movie, but like, I don't know if, and of course my kid and your kids definitely do because there are kids, <laughs> but I don't know about, right. you know, the next generation after that. I don't know. It's scary. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I just watched, um, we watched Onward uh, when it came out, so we just bought it. And I don't know, just like turning off the lights, flopping on the TV, making some popcorn, sitting there with, the, the you know, my wife and son. I don't know. It, it was a it was a really enjoyable 
experience. And I was just like, man, like, yeah, if this if this is the death nail for for movie theaters, I guess you know, kind of so be it. You know, it, it is it is what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah wow. you, you know what? Like a couple weeks ago, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. Uh, I had the similar experience because uh, I got a movie projector down in the basement. I have blue velvet curtains around the screen. Shout out, David Lynch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was sitting up, like, you know, uh, putting Deacon to bed, and uh, he's giant into Minecraft. And then he has, like, a little projector that shows stars on the ceiling, and he's talking about the cosmos and asteroids and stuff. And I went, oh, my God, Deacon. He was like, what? I go, there's a movie where they shoot miners into space to blow up an asteroid. It's called Armageddon. <laughs> and, you know, I rented it on the Voodoo. And I put that bad boy on and I watched it in the theater. We popped popcorn and uh, it was a great experience. And I was like, you know, I don't know, man. Like my basement is kind of dope and it's got the projector. It's got everything surround sound. I don't know. It, it's I could feel it. I could feel it in my bones. I mean, it might. I might be nostalgic because it's where we kind of grew up, all of us. But I don't know. It might be the end. It might be the end. There it is. There it is. All right, boys. Well, let's go YouTubing. Let's do it. Woo! Woo! Uh, all right, Ben, kick us off. What do you got? Oh, oh, oh wait. Hold on. Oh, 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 oh. All right, wait. I got a couple. Oh, not, actually, not a lot this week. We we just did two in a row. I just want to mention a couple. I just want to. Last week I talked about the drop kicks, of course, uh, keeping it going. Um, but I want to talk about Dude Perfect have a lot of uh, quarantine videos and they're doing like three point contests. Awesome fun. But then also uh, pokerstars.net has their own channel on YouTube and it's old poker with new commentary. And so Ooh. it's called like the EPT retro. And so it's the European poker tour retro, but with new commentary. So you have these old hands and these commentators sit there for six hours and seven minutes and do new commentary on the hands, uh, talking about how uh, I was just watching before we went on air. And this guy was like, uh, a, a user just came in and said that uh, this uh, guy looks like Brian Cranston as Heisenberg. <laughs> so they're, they're new <laughs> jokes for old poker hands. It's fantastic. If you got six hours to kill, which I know you do, why don't you check it up on YouTube? There you go. There it is. There it is. Josh, how about you? Oh, I got a, I got a bunch today. Um, <laughs> the first thing, first thing I saw this morning uh, on Twitter, and and it uh, it was a, a video from YouTube. So there was a lot of uh, uh, celebrities, um, you know, posting videos from home, or maybe uh, you know, musicians uh, playing on the rooftop. There was the uh, um, the celebrities singing Imagine, which was dumb, but Gail Gadot did it so she gets a pass Rough. um uh but the uh what got me off to a great start this morning was a video of uh, weird al yankovic uh playing classical gas on an accordion on his rooftop <laughs> which for a minute i couldn't remember what song it was and then i remembered it was classical gas and uh it, it's it's two minutes long and it'll brighten anybody's day uh, to watch it. Um, the, uh, the other videos that I have, um, well, uh, last week we talked about the dropkick Murphy show. Um, and to kind of follow up, uh, uh, Ben on your, 
um, Clash podcast. Uh, there is a, a, a standalone video uh, for the Dropkick's new song, uh, Mick Jones' Nick My Pudding, uh, which was an excellent song during yes, the concert. Yes. I yes. uh, would highly recommend watching that. Uh, and the last thing is uh, there is a, uh, a great channel of Johnny Carson videos on YouTube. It may even just be Johnny Carson. Uh, do yourself a favor and search Buddy Hackett on Johnny Carson and just go down the rabbit hole as far as you want and watch <laughs> watch just Buddy Hackett telling jokes on the Johnny Carson show uh, from the, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. He was so funny. And it was a person – like Buddy Hackett was somebody I didn't – you know, he wasn't a celebrity that I knew. Uh, I didn't, you know, didn't have any familiarity with him. I know who he is. Uh, I've seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World a bunch of times. Um, go ahead and watch those videos, man, and watch Johnny and Ed crack it up. It, it'll make your day. <laughs> I love awesome. Buddy Hackett. I love Buddy Hackett so much. <laughs> I've seen those, and I think there's a couple uh, Conan O'Brien appearances by Buddy Hackett that are oh, epic. <laughs> even better. Even better. I love it. Uh, for me this week – Real quick, I mean, this is it's on multiple platforms, but, but it's also it's it's heavily on YouTube. Uh, on the Vice channel, they came out with a second season of The Dark Side of the Ring for so for any wrestling fans out oh, there. Oh yeah! Oh um, wow! Yeah, it it's there's obviously been some really just messed up things that have happened uh, in this industry, and and season one was great, but season two they were going to deep dive into like the Chris Benoit murder suicide, oh, wow. uh, Owen Hart, Dino Bravo getting murdered. I mean, just like left and right, really dark stuff. So uh, part one and two of Chris Benoit's um, thing is is up on YouTube. Uh, really good, really great. It's about an hour and a half. Uh, total. So we talk about these long form documentaries. You're talking about a two parter about just a really awful thing that happened, uh, but it, it ends on a on a really encouraging high note. So I definitely recommend it. But yeah, this season's gonna be nuts. Um, so I cannot wait for that. Wow, I'm just looking at the uh, at the lineup on these videos. Wow. Yeah, it's it's dark. It's dark. So yeah, that's that's way darker than like the Montreal screw job that they had in last <laughs> year. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, compared to the, compared to that, it's like they're they're they decided to to go all in this season. So, um, yeah, and and as I get, I don't know if they do it as like an fu to the to the WWE, but like they always start the season around when WrestleMania is about to happen. So it's like when all eyes are on wrestling, like that's when they release this thing. So it's yeah, it, that's interesting. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So there you go, there you go. Well, folks, that's gonna do it for this week, guys. Great episode this week, really. Really good stuff. Um, really excited that you guys were on and, and really bringing the topics this week. Anything you want to plug real quick, Ben? Uh, oh, me? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Just uh, what are you guys doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, you know what I want to plug? I want to plug this podcast. I know it's kind of like whatever, but, I mean, we've been doing this for, Chris, I think we're on episode like 46 or 47 46, or something like that. Almost, almost a year. Like, Almost a year, and with a couple weeks, I think that's pretty good for like, uh, you know, uh, taking a couple breaks here and there. But if you guys go back and listen to the rest of the podcast, this is what we do every week. So if you want something to listen to, watch, or read, boom, there it is. There it is. There it is. Josh, how about you? Anything coming up or anything you also want to plug? Uh, 
nothing coming up. Uh, I don't have I don't have court for the foreseeable future. Um, but uh, are you saying commit that, crimes? No, <laughs> no court no, in New York. Is that what you just said? Thankfully, crime is crime is down somehow. Hey. Um, <laughs> no, I I want to plug. Uh, you know, take advantage of the the time you've got that you're spending at at home, um, but also. You know, it's a bummer not to be able to uh, to go out, uh, go to your bars, go to your breweries, go to your restaurants, um, and those places are hurting right now. Um, so, you know, locally, you know, Rising Storm Brewery in Avon, I've been buying beers from them, I was drinking their beer tonight. They have drive-up crowler service right now, which is awesome. Um, uh, my friends uh, own the Avondale bar in Avon, which Ben's been to many oh, yeah. times. Oh yeah. Um, well, and you know, and, uh, we're Josh, ordering. Josh, talk yes, about sir. your, uh, talk about your, your buddies at, uh, what is it? Um, sorry, Morgalis. Uh, Mortalis. Mortalis. What about their amazing, uh, marketing thing? The clerks thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, well, they actually did that when they opened too. So, uh, they have a drive up service now. Um, you know, at their brewery, but they had, uh, they had hung a sign, uh, a hand painted, hopefully in shoe polish sign on a sheet saying, uh, I assure you we're still open, uh, <laughs> dur during this, uh, uh dur during the, the quarantine period. Um, they're in Avon also. Um, I haven't made it over there. Uh, but their, their hours are, are a little bit different than, uh, than uh, Rising Storm, which I normally go to. Um, but everybody should be supporting their local breweries. Um, get takeout from the restaurants and bars that you like going to. Make sure that they're still there when this is all over with. Absolutely. The only thing I will say that, uh, and this doesn't this doesn't disagree with what Josh is saying, but local mom-and-pop grocery stores, do me a favor. Uh, lower your prices a little bit. Uh, funds are kind of <laughs> oh. Wow, Hundred. you got you got you got crazy stuff going on in Connecticut. Yeah, well, saying? you know, I, I live in East Haddam, Connecticut, and there's a there. bunch of like mom and pop stores uh, that are around. And uh, you know, when you walk in and you're looking for like, let's say a you know a twelve uh, a twenty four pack of of water, and they're selling it for like seventeen bucks, and I know Whoa. I can get it for like nine bucks at Stop and Shop, and um, you know, uh, I think it was a a, a bag a jar of peanut butter or a thing of peanut butter was going for like four bucks in this place. And I'm just like, look, I understand that, you know, everybody's times are tight for everybody and everybody's worried about having funds and things like that. But that for, if you're a grocer and people, you're an essential service and people need what you sell. Now is not the time to uh, try to milk your prices a little bit more uh, because like I said, if I can save my family 50 to 75 bucks by just going a mile down the road to stop and shop or Walmart or any of these big grocery stores like the targets. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, screw you guys. And I'm going to go do it. So, um, local, there grocery. you go, folks. Your, your, your plug from Chris Peterson is yeah. <laughs> like, this is, this is my actual supporting large scale grocery stores that are actually keeping their prices in line. Um, so yeah, local grocers, stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> stop it. Stop it.
Stop it. So there you go. Um, all right, folks. Well, thanks again for joining us this week, guys. Really great podcast. And folks, like like Ben said, we do this every week. So um, we've got forty a catalog of 40-plus episodes behind us, 40-plus episodes, I'm sure, ahead of us. So like I said, welcome to, welcome to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. But folks, we will see you right here next week.